Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, comment, upvote the video. All of those things would make us very happy. Also, you can join our subtext community. The link is down in the description. Um, I think there's a two-week free trial on it, but if we hear stuff, we put it out. Um, there's something on there right now that we just put out about a potential basketball thing that we might need to keep an eye on as well. I'm here with John Garcia. It's Saturday morning. It's football recruiting time. How you doing, John? I'm doing well, Stephen. It's a busy time of year, uh, and, and for you, you've got to do it on, on the football and basketball front. So I appreciate you fitting me in. Yeah, exactly. And we're getting to that time of year that is kind of, I don't want to say a lull time, but in May it should slow down a little bit before camp season starts in June. But we'll see exactly how this true off-season portion of the football season it kind of comes to be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then we got spring football at the high school level on top of all of that. So could could be worse for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Anyway, um, the transfer portal is something we don't usually talk to you about, but I do want to get your opinion about Shane Hooks, who just committed to Ole Miss last night as we record this on Friday. What, what do you know about Shane? I, I know he made that obscene catch at yeah. Jackson State, um, but what, what all do you know about him? Yeah, that was the highlight of, of his uh, collegiate career to this point, but don't take it as he's just a flash in the pan. This is a big, physical, productive wide receiver, was the leading receiver for Jackson State last year in, in their double-digit win season. Uh, they don't get as far as they did. Uh, and maybe Dion doesn't have the job at Colorado without the emergence and consistency Hooks provided, which I think reinforces how big of a get this was for Ole Miss because Colorado was one of his finalists, a school that I think a lot of people just expected Hooks to eventually end up at, as so many other uh, former Jackson State players have. But as he took his time and, and kind of waited the process out and began to take other visits, uh, including Ole Miss last weekend, it became clear that this thing could happen for the Rebels. And this is the type of prospect that Kiffin covets in the portal, big, physical, productive wide receiver. And I think you look at 6'4", and you say, okay, wingspan, back shoulder ball, contested catches, and those are all yeses for hooks, but don't underestimate his ability after the catch. And I think that is where he becomes so interesting because as you said, you, everyone's seen the viral one-handed catch. I think it was against Grambling and all the things you expect from a big receiver. But Jackson State used to throw it to him short and, and let him cook, as the kids say. Um, and there's a reason his nickname is Hollywood, because he's creative after the catch, um, not only with uh, his ability to, to be physical and, and play to his strengths and size, but there's some wiggle, even though he's 6'4", 205. And there's a, there's a real sense that he's got good instincts and vision and a plan after the catch. So I think that's really advantageous for Ole Miss. I think this group is starting to shape up into 2023 as this nice combination of, of pass catchers from a size and skill set standpoint. And there's no shortage of size now going forward with Ole Miss. And, and I don't think a guy like Hooks, who was a leading receiver at, at that program at JSU, goes to Ole Miss to just be one of the guys. I think there's a potential for him to ascend to be one of the premier players on this entire team, much less the offense or the wide receiver core. So this is a really big get 
uh, for, for Kiffin, for Knicks, for, for kind of the whole crew, Weiss Jr. as well, uh, as you start to look forward and plan how you feel about Ole Miss going into 2023, I guess independent of, of whoever QB1 is going to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you look at things like the skill positions at Ole Miss right now, the wide receiver position, the running back position, the quarterback position, the tight end position, it's just an embarrassment of talent for Ole yeah. Miss at the moment. It, it, it's ridiculous. And you just wonder how Shane Hooks – yeah, does he just look at it and say, okay, I can take Trey Harris, the all-conference guy that came in from Louisiana Tech, or Chris Marshall's on the other side making all kinds of stupid plays in the spring game. And it, it, it's just amazing how Lane Kiffin's able to do this. Yeah, pl- plenty of size and, and a variance there from a skill set perspective, but you understand it. This offense is geared towards – it's like basketball. It's about ball distribution and spreading things out quite literally. So there's a sense that – you know, yeah, you might not have 150 targets like he did last year, but there's still an opportunity for, for Hooks to be a truly impactful player. And obviously doing it at the SEC level has its own benefits. And I know that's probably a part of, of why he picked Ole Miss. This is a Floridian kid who grew up in, in SEC country there close to you in Orlando, went group of five out of high school with Ohio and then transferred, of course, to play for Coach Prime there at Jackson State. So I'm sure there's a lot of motivation behind this as well. Hey, can I do what I do at the highest level? And if you can be productive, 10 touchdowns last year to Hooks' name, if you could be that type of productive in the SEC, you're probably going to get paid to, to do this professionally. So I do think that there's sort of this last shot mentality going into this thing as a grad transfer that will only benefit uh, his time and ability to assimilate uh, once he does get to Ole Miss for good. All right, and let's change gears a little bit. And I've heard rumors over the last um, the last couple of days that maybe this kid might have a future visit. I don't know exactly when, but his name's Tariq McCant. Out of uh, he's a Maryland commit. He's out of the Tampa area, which is honestly in my neck of the woods. What do you know about Tariq? March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Versatility. I mean, you you talk about a modern football player and a modern offensive weapon. uh, That's McCant. You know, a kid who can legitimately line up at running back or slot receiver at at 5'9", 5'10", 175 or so. And he can beat you with polish at either of those positions. True speed and space uh, type of player that I think you could utilize uh, as a three down guy, no matter where he lines up. So curious to see what with Ole Miss offering in February, him committing to Maryland in March, obviously that communication uh, has been consistent since that point. Curious to see though, is he more of a running back or more of a slot receiver? I think he could do each uh, effectively. Uh, He could be a true change of pace running back, a third down type that is so comfortable blocking and and with the ball in the air, of course. But after the catch or after he's handed the football as a running back, there's a lot to like here. He's got all the wiggle and lateral quickness that you would expect from a productive uh, Florida athlete. Um, And I think the the plan right now for him at Maryland 
is to play running back, but they just turned over coaches at the running back position after he committed. So I do think that there's clearly a door open uh, for Ole Miss and maybe other programs to, to make an impact on McCamp before um, the final decision comes, wh whether it's on signing day or a little bit sooner. Uh, but interesting and fascinating from, from the Ole Miss perspective. Already got Chris Davis committed, big physical downhill running back that's going to profile a lot like the backs we're, we're getting accustomed to at Ole Miss. Uh, McCant, totally the opposite. So it'd be interesting to see how Ole Miss approaches this thing going forward. Um, and, and look, you know, he hasn't visited a lot of schools, and this will be his first trip to Ole Miss. So I, I certainly think that while he secured a spot at Maryland, the door could, could really be open here for uh, some changes of heart down the line. Yeah, and they've also changed back to the script Terps on the helmet in Maryland. Which should help follow. him. Oh, we just lost John um, for whatever reason. John is back. There he is. So yeah, if you they're going to the script helmet, then I think he should stay committed because it's a beautiful <laughs> helmet. <laughs> Sorry, Ole Miss fans. Uh, it's yeah. it's gorgeous there. And look, and I, I want to discount um, Kevin Smith's ability to recruit his home state. You know, we know that's been important um, both in his first stint at Ole Miss and obviously now uh, that he's back in town. I think that could be a prospect uh, that really becomes synonymous with the impact of Smith as a recruiter in his home state in particular. All right, this week um, we've gotten reactions on everybody on the Grow Bowl. And for you, I want to talk about Grow Bowl visitors, um, namely Brady Priestcorn, um, the brother yeah. of Caden Priestcorn, who did not catch a pass in the game, but he came down. He's a Michigan kid. T tell me a little bit about Brady. Brady's great, a uh, big dual threat tight end, meaning he can line up as a big receiver or he can absolutely help you as a blocker with some physicality. As you mentioned, he's he's from Rochester, Michigan. And, and look, Michigan wants him. You know, I think we should probably put that out there. Mm -hmm. That's the perceived favorite. He's been there more than any other school, all of that stuff. But there's a reason he's still uncommitted. You know, he's only got a top eight out right now, which suggests his recruitment might still have plenty of legs to it. Uh, and he's already got back-to-back -back visits to Ole Miss under his belt, independent of having Big Bro on the roster, which is obviously a huge X factor for the Rebels in, in this uh, potential recruitment. So him getting back on campus was great. Uh, he's reported great things about Ole Miss from that March visit, and, and he's duplicated that uh, for the April trip to, to see his big brother in action there uh, in the Ole Miss colors uh, for, for pre-scoring. So, look, if, if it really is going to draw out and, and be a long-standing recruitment, I think those things help Ole Miss's pursuit. If it was going to end today and, and, and he was going to wrap things up and shut it down completely, probably better news for the Michigan Wolverines that obviously have him in state and have recruited and developed well at the tight end position. Uh, but Ole Miss and, and the SEC present something different uh, for him. So I do think that's going to be a factor. Uh, not a well-traveled kid. Uh, I think Ole Miss is the school he's been to second most behind Michigan. So I think that's another advantage potentially for the Rebels, especially ahead of official visit season where you know – he's more likely to take one to Ole Miss uh, to get another fresh look at Big Bro and, and the program uh, itself. So I really like the Rebels standing here as sort of the primary contender uh, for Michigan, even though, you know, Alabama and Florida and all these other schools are on the offer list. Uh, it looks like there's no official set at this point. So I do think if he does get there and, and wants to prolong the recruitment, Ole Miss will grab one of those official visits and, and you sort of let the chips fall where they may thereafter but there's no doubt that there's some emotional pull and, and obviously family ties that help the Ole Miss angle 
Yeah, and for people that think that I am all sunshine and rainbows on this show and call me a homer and get out in the comments here, I think now we need to talk about Isaiah Autry. What do you think, John? <laughs> yeah, tough one. Tough one. Uh, you know, we've talked about him a lot on the show, top offensive tackle type in the state of Mississippi, and the trends have been pushing towards Oklahoma, and inevitably he came through with a verbal commitment uh, to the Sooners on Friday, uh, just a huge pull uh, into the state of Mississippi, independent of the family ties to, to Marcus Dupree or any of that, just the um, the late pull for Oklahoma. One of the most recent offers into Autry, had him on campus for a visit early in 23. Uh, but even after that, there was a sense that Ole Miss was, was in decent shape to keep him home, or if anything, Auburn was going to profile as the top threat to the Rebels. But Oklahoma kind of swooped in last minute, uh, as Autry was was beginning to end the recruiting process. And when you schedule a verbal commitment on a Friday and you're visiting that school on a Saturday, it's probably uh, linear that you're, you're going to head uh, to that program. And that's what Oklahoma was able to accomplish with Isaiah Autry. So we'll see how he handles things here going forward. But I think um, there's a sense that the, the state of Mississippi is loaded this cycle and, and it won't just be uh, Egg Bowl participants jockeying back and forth for some of these top-level recruits, and I think Autry is going to be another great example of that, much like we'll talk about going forward with the Camarion Franklins, the Jamonte Wallers of the world, even Braylon Burnside's of the world, where a lot of schools are circling back and really trying to make an inroad ahead of, of trying to get these kids uh, out of state. But uh, Oklahoma's done a good job lately with Autry, and I think it's going to pay off with a, a verbal commitment. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole podcast your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we'll have a standalone interview with Tom Vanderford, the one that you heard on Friday. It'll be available as a standalone on Sunday. Anyway, thank you very much, John, for stopping by today. And, man, it's always fun. Yes, sir. We'll see you soon. All right, take care.